Hey, 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 it's Pastor Cody here. Hey, welcome to our weekly sermon podcast. You know, we hope here at Bethel that when you listen to this podcast that you encounter God from wherever you are, that you're encouraged, that you're convicted, and that you're lifted up. Hey, don't let the four walls of our church be the only place where you experience God. Hey, enjoy today's word and love God, love others, and live life with passion, y'all. Yeah, 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 amen. Hug somebody's neck, y'all can be seated this morning. Man, man, man. Well, I don't know about y'all, I really didn't didn't want to quit worshiping, I'll just tell you the truth today. Um, Welcome, man. So just, I love, I love like praising the Lord, and so, um, you know what, like how many know Christ died for your freedom, to set you free from sin and to set you free from the penalty. Come on, put your hands together just because Christ has, has set us free spiritually and given us eternal life. So I'll just say this, welcome today, not only as Christ, Jesus is the one that shed his blood so that we could have freedom from our sin and freedom spiritually. How many of you are thankful today that the American military and the American soldiers have shed their blood so that you and I can have the freedoms to live in the United States of America as we celebrate Independence Weekend? Yeah, yeah. Put your hands together for America today. That's right. We are unashamedly proud to be American at Bethel Assembly. Can I hear a good amen? Exactly. So welcome you, man. We're glad you're here. Today we're in the second week of our study of the book of Galatians. We're just opening the book of Galatians through the summer. We're going to start and we're just going to the beginning and we're going to go all the way to the end. And so today we're going to read Galatians chapter 1 and we're going to start reading in verse number 11. I'll remind you once again this summer, I'm not doing any PowerPoints this summer. It's bring your Bible, it's bring your iPad, it's bring your phone. I want you to get used to looking stuff up in your Bible. How I many you know it's good to progress in the kingdom of God and it's easy to come to church when the preacher has the PowerPoint put up for us. But you know what? There's just something about getting your old Bible out and highlighting your own stuff and making your own notes in the margin and allowing the Spirit of God to speak to you personally. It's going to be a long morning. I can feel it already. Just saying. So bring your Bible, bring your phone, bring your device, whatever. We're going to look up the Scripture we're going to read. I want to remind you today before we start in, I want to remind you the context of what's going on. Paul planted this church of Galatia. Paul planted it, he set it up, he he ordained some leadership, and then he left to go plant other churches. The book of Galatians is kind of a book of correction. The, the Galatians, they're straying away from the gospel. They're falling back into some religious bondage. And so Paul's writing them this letter, and he's calling them out, and he's holding them accountable, and he's even rebuking him in a few areas. And so I just want you to know there, there's potential to be a little bit of tension there, because if we're all telling the truth, none of us like to be held accountable a whole lot. None of us like to be called out. None of us like for someone else to come and rebuke us. Can I hear a good amen? It just is the way it is. It's the nature of people. It is P-R-I-D-E. It is P-R-I-D-E. P-R-I-D-E. It's pride, pride, pride. And whether we want to admit it or not, whether you want to admit it or not, we all have to be careful because once in a while, that pride monster will jump up and bite us in the booty. Come on, somebody. So Paul's writing this letter. He's rebuking them. He's correcting them. And so let's just read this, the, the verses today, and then we'll pray, and we'll go from there. Galatians 1.11, read through verse 24. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, 
I want you to understand that this gospel message that I preach, it's not based on mere human reasoning. I received this message from no human source, and no one taught me. Instead, Paul says, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in passion for the traditions of man. But even before I was born, Paul says, God chose me and he called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before me. Instead, I went away. I went to Arabia, and later I returned to the city of Damascus. Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem so I could get to know Peter, and I stayed with him for 15 days. The only other apostle I met at that time was James. It was Jesus' brother. I declare before God that what I'm writing to you is not a lie. After that visit, I went north into the provinces of Syria and Cilicia, and still the churches in Christ that are in Judea, they didn't know me personally. All they knew was what people were saying. This is the one that used to persecute us, and now he is preaching the very faith that he tried to destroy. Verse 24, and the secret place Father, we ask you to send your spirit. Holy Spirit, have free reign, have will in this service to do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, take this message, let it be real, relevant, and personal for every person that's in this place. Holy Spirit, anoint me beyond my years, beyond my wisdom to preach your word today. We love you, we thank you, in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, here's what I want us to notice. There's maybe a little tension going on here between Paul and the church of Galatia. He is holding them accountable. He is calling them out. But what I love that we see in the opening verse today is Paul still addresses the people of the church as dear brothers and sisters. He's aggravated at them. He's frustrated with them, but he doesn't talk down to them. He says, you're still my brothers and sisters. He said, you're still the one. I still planted this church, and I, I still love you, and I was still your pastor, and I still prayed for you. And even though I'm frustrated, I'm not going to forget that we have a relationship. Paul understood the power of relationships. And I hope and I pray that if you have never, ever learned anything else from me and from my preaching all these years, I pray that you have learned the power of relationships. Because God sent his son, Jesus Christ, for one reason, to forgive us and to call us back into relationship with our Heavenly Father. God has placed us in a church so that we can have relationship with brothers and sisters in Christ. Relationships are what give life. Relationships are the only thing that we get to take from this earth to our eternal home in heaven. We don't get to take our car. We don't get to take our business that we worked so hard to build. We don't get to take our favorite horse. We don't get to take our reputation, but we do get to take our relationships. We will still have a relationship with Jesus. We will be one big family. We will know one another. Relationships are so important to God that he allows us to take them to heaven with us. So relationships, Paul understood like I'm aggravated at these people. Look at me. Look, look, look. You ever been aggravated to anybody? Paul said, I'm aggravated them. 
but I still love them. Paul said, I understand that this battle that we're fighting, this battle is not against flesh and blood, but this battle is against principalities and rulers and wickedness and spiritual beings in heavenly places. I need you to understand that today. The battle that you're fighting, <laughs> we're not fighting against the Democratic folk. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and the Democratic folk, they're not fighting against the Republicans. And the black are not fighting against the white. And the white are not fighting against the Chinese. We're not fighting one another. We are fighting the enemy. And the enemy is Satan. And the enemy is real. And the enemy wants to bring division. And the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the minute that you and I get over being mad at the people in our life, and we start getting mad at the enemy and starting doing battle in the spiritual realm, that's when we'll begin to see victory in our lives. It's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual warfare. Paul said, I'm not messed up. These people have strayed from the gospel, but that's not where the battle is. The battle is in the heavenly. Paul doesn't allow tension, disagreements, our difference in opinions to cause broken relationships. Paul said, I'm not going to do it. It's not worth it. And, and, and if I'm honest, and if you're honest, and you're real, today in the world we live in, everybody is offended about everything. Can I get a witness? You may use, you may use a term as offended. Let me use a term that you might understand. Everybody's triggered nowadays. We're triggered. We're going around. We live in a world. See, you know what the enemy wants to do? If the enemy can't get you to be a whoremonger, if the enemy can't get you addicted to porno, if the enemy can't get you addicted to smoking dope, if the enemy can't get you addicted to being alcohol, you know what the enemy will come in? He will come into your life and cause you to be offended or triggered and cause division in your family. Because division is the secret tactic of the enemy. Because even the enemy knows that a house divided against itself will not stand. And even the enemy knows if two or three would come together and agree on anything in the name of Jesus, it shall be done. And so in our nation and in our churches and in our families, the enemy has come in and got us offended and triggered and brought division. And he's slowly kicking our butts out of simple division because people are so offended and triggered. People are offended at everything nowadays. I mean, I'll just go ahead and say it. I mean, like, I'm an old, I'm an old school guy. Like, I like it when the Dallas Cowboys played the Washington Redskins. Come on, somebody. But, but, but we can't even call them the Redskins because people are offended nowadays. I grew up with my mama making some uh, Angel Mama pancakes. Come on, somebody. But we can't even talk about Angel Mama anymore. We can't even have Miss Butterworth's syrup anymore. And we for sure can't even chew any red man chewing tobacco. Come on, somebody. All because somebody got triggered or offended over something so silly and something so stupid. I know that's outside of the church, but can I be real with y'all? I've been a pastor for 22 years, and can I tell you this? More people get offended inside the church than they do outside of the church. Yeah, I know that hurts, and I know, but I'm telling you, I've, I've made more people mad since I've been a preacher than I ever did before that. Because people walking around, and they're sensitive, and they're snowflakes, and anything you say wrong or anything you do wrong, they just get mad, booty hurt, triggered, and they leave the church, and they go somewhere else, and they blame it all on you. We're offended in religion. Our nation is offended if we say we're Christians nowadays. We're offended over politics. We're offended over different opinions. 
We're different, offended over different convictions. We're offended over the truth. People are offended over traditions. We're offended over jokes that everyone used to laugh at. We're offended at pronouns. <laughs> We're offended at feminism. We're offended at masculinity everywhere you turn. Somebody's offended nowadays. And the struggle and the problem with that is when we get offended, we allow our offense and we allow the being triggered to cause broken relationships. Because we're full of pride and we're unwilling to give anybody else any grace. So, so let me just say this right quick. If you get offended, we're going to have to learn to get over being offended. Because if we don't, we'll harbor unforgiveness and we'll harbor bitterness and we'll carry it around the rest of our lives and the enemy will eat us up from the inside out. So there's, a, I'll just tell you, man, I'm just trying to be honest with you. There's a, there's a family that's left this church over the last several months. There were some decisions that had to be made at this church. They're absolutely not personal. You have to make decisions. Can I hear a good amen? And how many of you know you're never going to make a decision that satisfies everybody? Somebody say yes. And we had to make some decisions, and these decisions affected this family. And this family, I've been friends with this family for 25 years. I've been, I buried some of these family members. I baptized them. I led their kids to the Lord. And because they got offended and because they got booty hurt, and, you know, because we made a bad decision, and I probably said something I shouldn't have said, and they got mad and they left, we couldn't sit down and talk about it and, and talk it out like good, mature people. They've left the church, and it's broken relationships with us, and it's broken relationships within the church, and it's broken relationships within our young children all because somebody simply got offended and couldn't get over it happens to you it happens to me we have to be on guard scripture let me give you some scripture to back it up scripture the word of god proverbs 19 11. good sense how many of you know we need some folk in the world that have some good old common sense once again scripture proverbs 19 11 says good sense Makes one slow to get angry. Tough for me. Come on, somebody. Shut up, Will. <laughs> Good sense makes one slow to anger. Watch this. And it is to God's glory if we learn to overlook an offense. It's to God's glory. How many want to glorify God? I mean, no glorifying God ain't just jumping and shouting and raising your hands and speaking in tongues and quoting the scripture and acting all holier than thou. Glorifying God is learning to overlook an offense when you get triggered. How many of you believe our world would be better if we didn't take everything so personal and if we weren't so super sensitive and if we all learned how when I'm offended at somebody just to let it go and lay it down? Oh, can we be real? Can we be real, y'all? Like, I'll get less offended at you than I do at my wife. I'm, 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 I'm laying it all out there right now. Because I'll put up with a bunch of your crap once in a while. I'll let you run your mouth. I'll let you question me. I'll let you talk trash about me. I know some things that you've said and some things that you did against me. And I'll just not be offended and I'll just not look at it and not worry about it. But if my wife or my kids sometimes do something to me and I'm not in the best mood... Boom, I'll get all offended and booty hurt. Come on, somebody. Don't leave me hanging and act like I'm the only one. We have to learn. We have to learn to get better at those things. How many of you have wasted days and hours and times with division in your family and in your marriage and with your kids because you were offended? 
Let me give you another scripture. This one right here convicted me to the core. And this fitting to get you too. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 21 through 22. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 21 through 22. Do not take to heart all the things that people say. Like, don't take to heart. Because how many know we all say things we shouldn't say? Don't take it to heart. Everything that everybody says. Because you might even hear your servant cussing you. That's what the scripture says. I don't listen to y'all because y'all might be cussing me. Let me tell you the truth. I probably cuss most of y'all in here too. (laughs) But don't take all that to heart. We just have a problem with our mouth. We have a problem taming our tongue. The book of James says the tongue is like a burning fire. You may be better in some way, but we all struggle with this mouth. Don't take everything everybody says to heart lest you hear your servant cussing you. Watch this. Because your heart knows that many times yourself you have cussed others. Don't take to heart something somebody says because you know what on the other end, especially if they say something negative about you because you've said something negative about somebody else. Don't be offended. So here's the deal. Here's I'm done. I'm moving on to my next point. Maybe. Look at me. Look, 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 look. Chill out. Chill. Quit being so offended. Quit being so sensitive. Quit taking everything personal. Quit making life all about you. Chill out. Look at your neighbor right quick. Say, hey, neighbor. (laughs) Chill out. Paul goes on to say to these people, hey, dear brothers and sisters, I still love you. We're still tight, not offended, not going to be booty hurt. And he goes on to say this message that I'm preaching to you, this gospel message, he said, it's not based on mere human reasoning. And and I want to talk about that a little bit because for you and I, this gospel thing, it makes no sense to our human mind. It makes no sense to our human mind. Well, you say, okay, Cody, what do you mean? I, I mean this. The gospel is total and complete forgiveness by God the Father. It's God the Father going, I'm canceling out your debts. It's God the Father saying, I'm not going to hold this against you. It's God the Father saying, I am erasing this, and I'm not going to remind you of your mistakes anymore. I don't know about you, but I'm going to tell you what, it's hard for me to forgive some folk. Come on, somebody. Especially some folk that don't do right, especially some folk that don't act right. God says, I'm going to forgive you no matter what you do. I am going to forgive you, and you and I, we don't want to offer forgiveness a lot of times. Because we're still mad and we're still ticked and we took it personal and they hurt me and they hurt my family. And so what we do is there again, we buy the lie of the enemy and we carry unforgiveness around inside of our hearts. It's hard to understand that God wants to forgive you. Your heart is saying God wants to forgive you, but your mind is saying I'm not good enough to be forgiven. And it's this battle between our heart and our head. And that's why we have to receive the gospel by faith because it doesn't make sense to our human minds. You have to change your mind, renew the way you think. This this gospel, it's unconditional love. Does that, like that just, that freaks me out unconditional love. God loves me no matter what. Unconditionally. Unconditionally. You know how I love? Conditionally. You know how you love? Conditionally. You know how you love? Conditionally. 
Children, you pick up your room. Children, you be obedient to me. Children, you don't hurt our name. I will love you completely. Husbands, I love you if you take the trash out. I love you if you put the lid down. Oh, wives, husbands, I love you, baby, if you give me some. Oh, we got all these conditions in life. If you love the way I love, if you believe the way I believe, if you go to church where I go to church, we put all these conditions on love, and that messes up our minds. Because God loves us unconditionally. It doesn't make sense to our minds. Forgiveness and unconditional love and joy with absolutely no cost at all. Cost you nothing. Cost me nothing. That's hard to fathom and it's hard to understand. And that's that's why some people struggle accepting the gospel of Christ. Because it's nothing that you did but everything that he did. Everything we tried to do in this earth, if I could rope good enough, if I could drive a truck long enough, if I could make enough money, if I could cut hair good enough, if I could play the fiddle good enough, I could be in the band. Everything in our life is based on our performance, and if we perform enough, then we can receive all this stuff. But the gospel doesn't make sense to our minds because it's not about anything we do. It's about everything Jesus did for us. And when you change, when you understand that, everything changes. Everything changes in your life. Because Paul goes on to say, this revelation that I received, this revelation, this understanding of the gospel, I didn't get it from some church. I didn't get it from some book. I got it from Jesus. Jesus revealed this stuff to me. And I'm going to tell you something, y'all. We need to have constant revelation, divine revelation in our life. What is revelation? Those doors are closed right back there. And I don't know what is beyond those doors because I can't see. And so what's beyond that door? It can worry me. It can excite me. It can bring some fear. I can doubt what's behind there. I can think, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. But when they open those doors back there, then it is revealed to me what is behind those doors. Can I tell you that God revealed himself to you at some point in your life? At some point, you were like Paul. At some point, you were like me, and you were broken, busted, and disgusted, and you were living in the pig pen, and sin had worn yourself out, and God's love was revealed to you. You accepted an all of a sudden, everything changed. You became a child of God. But can I tell you, God wants to continue to take you from glory to glory to glory, and God wants to continue to reveal himself and reveal his plans to you and I. To reveal, to open the doors. How many of you believe God has a future for you and I? Come on, somebody. He has plans for me, plans to prosper me, plans not to harm me. My eyes haven't seen, my ears haven't heard, neither has entered into my heart the things that God has prepared for me. God has a plan for each one of us, and he wants to reveal that plan to us. What God has planned for us, it is mysterious. What God has planned for us, it is very deep, and it's deeper than you've ever been before. Daniel 2.2 says this, God reveals deep and mysterious things. How many of you want God to reveal some deep things to you? Some mysterious things. Amos 3.7 says, indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants. Listen to me. God never does anything until he reveals it to you and I first. 
He reveals it to us. You know why? Because with some of us, when, we, when God begins to reveal things to us, he shows us his plans, that's a vision. And when there's a vision out there for us, we get excited and we get motivated to give everything we've got to live and to work and to strive until we see the vision of God come to pass. Can I tell you what's wrong with the church? Yes, Brother Cody, tell me. Because many of us, we got a revelation 15 years ago, but we've not got another revelation from God since then. God revealed to us our salvation. God revealed to us our Savior. God revealed a few things to us, and then we come and sit in our pew, and we let our fire go out, and God reveals nothing else to us, and that's why we become dead spiritually, and that's why we become grappy and negative and critique everything, because the Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. And you know what you and I need? God to reveal to us the vision he has for us. Because when you see it, it will fire you up to give God everything that you've got. God reveals things to us. How does God reveal those things to us? I want to share that with you today before we close. I don't want you leaving here going, I don't know how to hear from God. I don't know how God's going to reveal something to me. There's two ways I believe that God reveals things to us. The first thing is this. But when we learn to accept and understand that God has chosen us and God has a calling on our life. When you step up, when you quit playing a church game, when you quit playing this spiritual elite game, when you quit jacking around with the grace of God, and when you really realize, hey, God saved me, and hey, God forgave me, and God is revealing his scripture to me, and it's not just so I can be self-righteous, and it's not just so I can be holier than thou. God has chosen me, and God has called me to go into the world, to the cowboy world, to the corporate world, to the church world. God has called me to go and to be salt and light and to encourage others and to lead them to Jesus Christ when you understand God has chosen you when you walk responsibly in that calling that God has placed on your life then God will begin to reveal plans to you so many of us we go around and we think I'm not good enough I don't have this calling yeah God chose me but he chose me because he didn't have any other choice and I'm not good enough and I'm not smart enough and I can't quote enough scripture and I'll never stand on the stage and we believe all these lies from the enemy you got to understand God has chosen you and God has called you to be a world changer when you accept that God will start revealing things to you I fought and I battled and I struggled when I was 18 years old I told my mom the Lord called me to preach I struggled with it because I was a loser. I struggled with it because I was a homewrecker. I struggled with it because I had lots of sins and I was full of condemnation and guilt and unworthiness and I struggled with it. And you've heard me testify many times that we started going to church when we were living in Guthrie. We started going to church at Roaring Springs and for the first time I felt the call of God and it was real. And the first time I said, you know what? It don't matter what my past is. My past is under the blood. It don't matter what I used to be. What matters is right now. And God has called me. God wants me to be a preacher. I began to own it. I began to take responsibility of it. I began to say, God, I will walk in my calling. And if it hurts my reputation, so be it. And if I don't get to be a cowboy anymore, so be it. And if I lose friends over this so be it I don't care when I began to own the calling of God that was on my life God began to reveal to me Cody I'm going to call you to be a preacher Cody you're going to pastor a church Cody you're going to change an entire culture in West Texas of men and cowboys and families then when I owned it God began to reveal things to me and you got to own it where you are. You may never preach. You may never be in the band, but you got to own where you are. You got to know where you are is where God has called you to be and make an impact there. You got to make an impact where you are. Can I just say that over and over again? 
You got to make an impact where you are. Church is more than Sunday morning deal. Can't go out and live loose living all week long and then show up at church. If you want God to reveal things to you, you got to be responsible. You got to talk to people about the Lord. You got to walk in holiness. You got to walk in sanctification. You know what? Can I just say this? If you want God to reveal things to you and use you, you got to talk about the Lord. You got to find out if your family is saved. You got to find out if your friends are saved. You got to learn to start praying for other people. You don't have to be a preacher to pray for other people. You don't have to be some kind of pastor to find out if people know who Jesus really is. You and I have got to own the calling that God has placed on our lives. And that is the problem with the American church because we've been conditioned where we come to church and sit on our tail and let somebody sing songs to us and let a preacher preach to us and then we don't activate our faith throughout the week. And that's why we are dead spiritually in America. you got to own that God has chosen and called you. Yeah, I know six of you got it. Praise the Lord. Discipleship, brother. It's a mindset. I'm a child of God. And, and so, so, so God reveals things to two different people. One is a group that owns it and walks in it and starts activating their faith. And the second person, people that God um, begins to reveal himself to and reveal, reveal future plans to is people that spend alone time with God. And, and I get it. I know that's a struggle. I know you say, Cody, that's easy. But, but, but look, how much time have you spent alone with God this week? And, and I mean, really, like, like, have you really spent alone time with God? Like, without a phone, on do not disturb, not, not just driving down the road and listening to worship music, not just opening your little Bible study book. I'm talking about alone time with, 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 with God. Moses spent 40 years, 40 days on the mountain with God, 40 days. Elijah spent 40 days. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness. John the Apostle, he spent the last living days of his life on an island called Patmos. It was a rocky island and a treeless island, and he had no one, and he had no Bible, but he spent time alone with God, and God gave him maybe the greatest revelation ever, the book of Revelation, spending time with God. I get it. Your schedule's busy. Amen. You got this, and you got that, and you got kids, and you got stuff, and you got here, and you got college, and you got work, and you got all this stuff. I mean, you know, if it's priority, we'll make it happen in our life. Spend time alone with God. I've told you before about myself when I first started walking in that calling and took the responsibility like, 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 like I fed cows at, at, at Guthrie. It's where we lived. And how I many know feeding cows sucks? Turn the siren on and just sit and wait. <laughs> for an hour and then the more bellering bulls come walking in you're waiting you know what I just learned man to take my Bible it was a long time for me I spent that time when we were in Guthrie for the first time I was excited about the call of God never in my life had I went to a separate room or a back room we'd always hung out in the in the living room we'd always watch TV never did I go to the back room and open up the word of God and spend time with God but I started doing that and in that moment is when God began to reveal great and mighty things to me we sang this song last week, and I love it. I will make room for you. I'll make room for you, God. Can I be honest with you? The reason that we don't have revelation in our life and the reason that we're not seeing God move is because there's no room in our life for him. We have to carve that out and spend alone time with God. Last point I'll make to you today is this. Paul went away, and he came back, and... Galatians 1, 21 through 23 says, After that visit, I went north to the provinces of Syria and Cilicia, 
And still the churches of Christ that are in Judea didn't know me personally. All they knew is what people were saying. The one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. Paul said, everybody's talking about me. Can I tell you something? Quit listening to people talking about you. We're so worried about people talking about us. What are they saying about me? What do they think about me? Can I tell you something? People are going to talk about you. Can I just tell you that? People are going to talk about you. They're going to talk about me. They're going to talk about your past. People still talk about my past. Last week, I run into a guy. I've been preaching 22 years. Last week, I run into a guy, and he goes, I still can't believe the Lord called you to be a preacher of all people. I was like, I ain't done none of that in 22 years, and you won't let it go. You still remind me of that. People are always going to talk about your past, about your divorce, about your mistakes, about whatever you did, about your adultery. about your, uh, People are always going to talk about your past. Who cares what people say anymore anyway? They'll talk about your past. They'll talk about you right now. They're talking about Paul. But here's what I love, what they say about Paul. Here's what I love, and I'll quit with this one. It's Galatians 1.24. said, they're talking about me here, talking about me there. They didn't really know me. But verse 24 says, but the people praised God because of me. Paul said, they're praising God because of me, because of Paul's life, because of Paul's choices, because of Paul's conviction, because of Paul's courage to stand up and preach the good news, because Paul was willing to be used by God, God was getting praise out of it. And here's the challenge for you and I. Who cares what anybody says about you? Just make sure people are praising God for you and your life. Come on, somebody. Make sure they're praising God for you and your life and the way you live and the way you conduct your business and the way you raise your kids and the way you love your spouse and the way you honor God. We should all be striving to live our lives in a way that would give God praise. Do, 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 do people do that for you? I mean, I'm just saying, like, like, like I look at you, I, I look at you people out here. Can I tell you something, girl? I praise God for you because I sat right in front of you today, and ain't nobody I heard sing louder praises to God than you. You don't care. It don't make you no difference. You, and I'm telling you something, that inspires me. I'm the preacher, but that inspires me. That I praise God for you. Dickie, when I see you overcome what you overcome, and you went through the sickness, and you went through the struggle, and you were in that hospital, and you were home, but now you're back at church, and you raise your hands, praising God. And Cherie, you standing by him, and you pray for him. I'm telling you, I praise God for you guys. You encourage me. You raise me up. When I look across this room, and I see you, and I hate to break I don't even turn my stomach, but Connor encourages me. He's my friend. He's my brother. He's my son, and we work together in the faith. I, you encourage me, man. When I look and when I see Jake and when I see your family and I see your girl sitting there, man, it encourages me. Just keep doing right and just keep honoring God. When I see my son, Jesse, when I, when you, when I see you, Butch and Donna, when I see you, Carolyn, show up. When I see you, show up. When I see you, encourage me, and I praise God for you folks. Live your James. I praise God for you, brother. Fighting it back there. James's brother died last week, 10 days ago. Accidental, horrible deal. But he's at the church today praising God, and he ain't feeling sorry for himself, and he knows where his help comes from. That encourages me, and I praise God for people like that. Conrad, you better come help me close. Enough's enough of playing some stupid religious come to church, check my box off game. 
Live your life in a way that people praise God for you. You don't have to be the best. You don't have to. Run, Conrad, please. Let's bow our heads and close your eyes. You don't do that. Let's learn from what Paul said. Let's stop being them people, man. Come on, y'all. I love you. But you got to quit this offended crap. Come on now. Stop. There's no way to live life. Always being offended. Some of you, I'm going to be real with you. Everybody in your life walks around on eggshells around you because they're afraid they're going to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, and you're going to be offended. Stop it, man. Stop it, girl. Stop. Well, he didn't speak to me, and I don't think they like me. I mean, stop. Stop. Life is life, and life is not all about you. And sometimes people say things. Here's what I found out. I've had people that, 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 that leave this church and get mad at me because they were offended at me, and I don't even know why they were offended because I said something or did something, and they took it the wrong way, and I didn't mean it the way that they took it. Like, stop. It's to God's glory to overlook an offense, man. God's overlooked a lot of your offenses. Can I hear a good Amen. Stop being the super sensitive person. Chill out. Don't let differences cause broken relationships. And let me just say this. I get it. Some of you really been hurt. Some of you, it's more than words. You've really been hurt. Somebody's abused you. Somebody's mistreated you. I get it. It hurts. But it hurts more for you to hold on to that offense the rest of your life and allow it to label you or define you. Maybe some of you struggle with this gospel thing. It's free. Can't earn it. You don't supposed to get cleaned up and then come to Jesus. If you could get cleaned up before you came to Jesus, you wouldn't need Jesus. Come to him as you are. Come, it's free. Get your head out of it. Quit trying to reason it. Quit trying to figure it out. Just by faith and by your heart, accept the grace of Christ. If you will taste and see the goodness of God and the love of God, just taste one bite, and you'll be hooked, and it'll change everything. To the rest of you, I want to say this. God wants to reveal things to you, y'all, spiritual things, reveal to you deep things, mysterious things. He wants to reveal to you. And when he reveals it to you, it will inspire you to move forward because the Scripture says, write that vision down so that the person that's running the race may see it, for that vision shall come to pass. Spend time with God. Walk and own the responsibility of being a child of God. And then lastly, I'll just say this. Begin to live your life in a way that gives God glory. That people go praise God for them. Not praise Cody. Not praise Connor. Praise God for Cody. Praise God for Connor. Praise God for Tubby. Praise God for my kids. Praise God. Praise God gets the praise because the way we live.
Let's stand on our feet and bow our heads. Father, we just love you and thank you for today. I pray that you would just move in the closing moments of this service. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Holy Spirit, speak, encourage, convict. Do what you do. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's close with worship.